if we want to know more about Jesus. Well, I told you last time, and I'll say it again. We believe all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for proof, for the man in righteousness. And then also, especially in Job as well as the other scriptures, as it says in Hebrews, it's also a piercing sword that pierces into all the motives we have. Uh, it pierces, but it's a so sharp. Not like a big sword that's going to tear you apart, but by, like a scalpel who's, gonna, who's able to cut out those parts that need to be cut away. That's why we study books of the Bible. Because God has promised us that you reveal himself through all parts of it. And also because it's profitable for us. And there's many things there that we can, can learn about who God is. And as I'm going to briefly touch about uh, today, uh, and we're gonna, it's going to get a, be a while before we actually get to the verse, which was also in one of the songs where Job talks about, I know my Redeemer lives, and I know I will see God. Um, so great hope in Jesus even is referenced here in the book of Job. And I have my uh, friend Abel, who I, forgot, who I forgot to ask again, but he did such a good job last week. Oh, great job, uh, Vlad. I asked Vlad to draw uh, me uh, something I could use for this uh, sermon series. Great job, Vlad. Thank you. Um, so this, you'll be seeing this much, uh, and so this is one of the talents that I knew uh, Vlad had. So uh, thank you very much. And now I'm in, uh, invite, able to come read chapter 2 for us. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, who fears God? and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. 
Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz the, Te- the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. Like in chapter 1, we have this scene where, um, where we have the sons of God and they are coming to give an account to God. It's kind of like before the throne of God and they are coming there to give an account of the areas they're in charge of. But Satan, he also shows up there. Now the thing about Satan is he's not going to come and give an account about anything because he's not like that. He's going to come there and try to switch the room around and put, put God on, on trial and put Job on trial. So that's what we see here. And so you might be thinking, well, why does God keep pointing to Job? Isn't it, it doesn't God already know that Satan is going to say, I want to destroy his flesh. And since God knows everything, yes, he does. So we stand in this, in this challenge as we did in the first place. We had a really good time discussing this at Bible study. And Joseph and I was like, we came to this, uh, or we had both, uh, apart from each other, had this, well... And I think I also threw it out there as a challenge. Is the book of Job also about how God is always going to get glorified and Satan will always lose? Even as his encounter with, with, uh, with God, why does God ever ask questions? He always knows the answers. So the challenge here is, to us, is sometimes like, why does God do? Why does God do this? Why does God keep pointing to Job? Well, the question would be, well, we're gonna have. It's gonna take us some time to get there. But Satan will be defeated, and God would know, and Job would know God way, way better. As he said, says in the end, I had heard about you, but now I've seen you. So, all the things that Satan wants, he doesn't get. But that doesn't stop him. And he's ruthless. He doesn't say, hey, Joe, great job. Like, 
you didn't curse God and stuff, and he doesn't say to God, like, you were right. Hey, God, you were right. Uh, Job didn't uh, curse you. Not at all. There's no acknowledgement of good. No, 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 no. He goes straight on the attack again. This is really interesting. And a great challenge. Because I was, I had to, I, did, I have not read this in the Hebrew, so I'll talk to, I'll talk to um, Hattie's afterwards. When God confronts Job, Satan just says the same thing he said before. I just need to destroy him more, then he'll curse you. Right to your face. And he uses this phrase. Satan then answered the Lord, Skin for skin, all a man will have, he will give for his life. But stretch his hand and touch his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. I had a, I had a, I had a feeling that was, there was more to this skin to skin. So as I was reading all these different commentaries, one, one, one of them stood really out to me. That this is an accusation against Job. And also an accusation against God. Satan is saying, Hey, God, Job is not that righteous. Well, why? Well, because he's happy that his children died and it wasn't him. So Job has just lost everything. He's just lost everything. And he said, just like Hattie says, he bows and he worships God. Satan doesn't care about any of those things. He just keeps accusing him of being, of being like a pretender. Now we're going to see in chapter 3 that this is nothing. This is no, uh, no grasp. There's no holding reality. Because chapter three, three is about how how Job wants to die. So so it's it has nothing. Satan doesn't have any. It doesn't have any like. It's all imagined stuff that Satan imagines. But then we're confronted again with, just like I said just a few moments ago. Well, why does God let Satan do this stuff? And Satan is fast. Satan goes straight from there, and then he like touches his skin, and he gets in the old translation he gets boils. Uh, the new other translation says he gets he gets like burning sores. Uh, Job's response is, and, and this is maybe a little bit disgusting, but is that he takes an old piece of a broken pottery and probably in where the landfill would have been. And he sits there, and just imagine all these oozing sores he has, and he scrapes them off. And just remind, just be right about, this is not just on his arms, this is from head to toe. He has it everywhere. He went from being the, um, what was it, in the first uh, chapter, he was the, the, in the first minute. He was the wealthiest man of the East, the mightiest man of the East, to a man sitting in a landfill 
uh, in old old fashioned landfill, don't get the is there's no trucks and stuff. But he's it's in the where they have the garbage in ashes and he's scraping himself. He have boy he has boils everywhere after he lost his ten children, all his uh, livestock. And then comes the one who maybe should be able uh, to encourage him some words. But she doesn't. Then his wife said to him, Why do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Um, I just painted a picture of you guys that he's sitting there. Then his wife shows up. And I think it's easy to be hard on his wife and I don't think it's the right response at all. But I did, by studying it, get not necessarily sympathy, but maybe a little bit of understanding. Because I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm just going to say it. Because Job's wife has been through the same. Job's wife has lost her ten children. She's lost all her wealth. Her husband, that was the greatest man of the East, is now a man sitting in a landfill, scraping himself with his sword. It's not like she's not in pain. Maybe that's why she acts exactly like Satan wants Joseph, uh, Job to act. The, the wording in is even the same. Maybe she's so tired. Maybe she's so worn out by circumstances. Maybe she sees a husband that was so strong, being so weak. And she says, why do you still think that there's nothing wrong with you? Why don't you curse God and die? Then we can think about her. Man, she's like a terrible wife. But this is where the Bible touches us too. This is where it's not cutting us too. Because how do I react under pressure? How do I react when nobody's looking? Who do I talk behind people's back? Is my life lived for my own agenda? Is, my, is it for my own praise? Is it for my own glory? Am I really working? for Jesus, or am I actually more working for Satan? This is not a new thing. We see Jesus calling out Peter. We see Jesus calling out Peter. Because Peter wasn't about what God wanted, what, or what Jesus was about to do. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter then takes, Peter took him aside and started rebuking him. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. 
Jesus turns to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Just before this, Peter has confessed that Jesus is the Christ. But so fast, so fast he changes because he doesn't know God's plan. And he plays into the hand of the enemy and starts working for him. I was, I was reminding about the next verse and it, it, it really just shows a lot about how Jesus, he, yeah. Jesus, he doesn't play around with sin. And he never tells us to do that either. And he never takes it lightly either. This is, this is, in the beginning of Romans also, there's this, this um, description of the, this world, this world, uh, the age of this world where, where people would just start saying, you know everybody's doing it, we can all just do it, it doesn't matter, the things that we do that are sinful, we'll ask other people to do because then it doesn't seem as sinful. Uh, Jesus is not like that at all, and he's very, very, maybe this is very, a famous passage to some of you, um, and he says about it in Luke. And he said to his disciples, temptations are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom it comes. It would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and were cast into the sea that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins again against you seven times in a day, and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. Jesus is very serious here. He doesn't seem like, oh, it doesn't really matter like if you make other people sin. He's really challenging us to be like, don't just tell people to do stuff that is not okay. And don't be that stumbling block yourself that makes other people sin. I think that's what we see Job's wife. Job's wife is also in great pain great pain and suffering and and maybe all that pain, great pain and suffering is just overwhelming her which plays right into the hand of the enemy and ask her husband to sin against God And when we look about it, look at it, why is it that Jesus is so? Why is it that he doesn't? Uh, this is gonna sound dumb, but why is it that he doesn't really like sin in any way? Because sin is always rebellion against God. It's our rebellion against God, saying, "I know better than you." And every time that happens, we destroy ourselves. 
and we destroy the people we committed this against. And we see the death on Jesus, we see the death of Jesus on the cross, and we we see this massive price that he paid so that we could be free. Sin is not something to be tampered with or to enjoy or anything like that or to be taken lightly. The encouragement in the verse is that there is forgiveness. The focus here is mostly on us forgiving others um, in this part. And now to the part that I was alluding to in the beginning. We don't see Job sinning in the book of Job. Did he sin? Well, we don't really know. Probably he did. But that's not the point of the book. The point of the book is to show his righteousness and that his suffering has nothing to do with his sin. But where is Job's righteousness really? And where is his hope really? That's what I was saying before. His hope is not in himself or his own righteousness, but in Job 19, um, 25 to 27. He says, For I know my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed in my flesh, I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold not another. My heart faints within me. We're gonna get. It's gonna take a very many ups and downs before we get to this verse, and even after this verse, we are gonna have many ups and downs. But this is where Job is already putting his hope and his trust in the Redeemer that will come. That also, though he feels like God is not hearing him, he still believes he will see God. What an encouragement that Job can see that. We might see it so much clearer now because we can see who Jesus is. As, as we've seen those fantastic worship and praise songs, just uh, pouring out our hearts to God to teach us more about who Jesus is so we can hold on to those things in the everyday when things get hard. Because as we also talked about last time, is when is it that we're going to walk away from God? Is it when we are very prosperous or is it when we're in great trouble? Or is it both? But that was just a little detour, so now we go back to chapter 2. And Job responds to his wife by saying she is acting like a foolish woman. Uh, I don't know if that's a smart move, uh, but he probably spoke the truth in love. Um, but he said to her, you speak as one who of the foolish woman would speak. So we receive good from God and she will not receive evil. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So we can see in this whole interaction, all of this happens. Job doesn't sin with what he says. Then some commentators speculate, did he sin in his heart? That's not what the phrase is, is alluding to. And this is not what the book is trying to say, that, oh, maybe he sinned somewhere in his heart, in his mind. No, no, the point is that he did not sin. 
at this point. His, his, his reaction was just as great as God said it would be. Job challenges uh, his wife and also some notions we have in today is, well, should we only be praising God when he answers our prayers right the way we want, when everything goes the way we want it to do? And should we reject him when things go, go the way we thought it should? We talked a little bit about last time that that's when people come up with like, well, if God... No. No. Well, if he would just do this, or if God is a good God, then he wouldn't do this. Well, that's you making judgments about who God should be and not listening. Looking to Jesus to know who he is. Also, the challenge I tried to hammer home last time, and I think it's the same thing this week, is, and of course I should say that's because I'm the pastor here. All of the understanding we have of who God is is dependent on how our relationship is with, with Him now. Are we seeking to know and to know Him more, like the song said? It's going to make a big difference in how we live our lives. We're, if we're continuing to seek to know who God is, and that informs how we live, how our attitude is when things are good and when they're bad, that when they're good, it's not all, hey, man, because it's because I'm a fantastic person. No, it's because God's made that possible. When things are bad, God is still on the throne. And He is just as worthy as when everything was okay. These are so easy for me just to stand here and say, but we get this from we get this from Job's mouth. We get this from Job's mouth as he's sitting in a landfill with dust on himself and ashes scraping his sores having a wife who just told him to curse God and die he says yeah I will not I will worship God in good times and in bad times I also said that last time, uh, James, uh, James uses Job as a sign of endurance for the early church. The early church was also getting persecuted. And then they say, well, look to Job. He was severely persecuted, just like you guys are persecuted now as Christians. Look to him, that although things are not good, he still held on to who God was. That's why I appreciate Haddis' books so much. Because I've seen many people say, when something bad happens, then God can't love me. He can't be here. That's why it's so important to know what the cross really means. Because when those days comes, 
the dark, dark, dark days come. God has not changed who He is. Our circumstances have changed. But it's also an encouragement that God is always there. That even when we feel like He's not there, and why didn't He do anything? He still promises to be right there with us, the brokenhearted. An encouragement that whatever God lets pass through his hands, somehow he has let it pass through. And I trust the hands that let this pass through today. For us today, it really, like I said, it's about the cross. It's about what we talk up together about every time. Can I trust God? How can I see I can trust God? Who would pay their own price for us? To show us how he loved us. No one has ever seen God. But the one who most accurately represented who God was is Jesus. Sadie and Lily keeps asking about what does God look like? So Sadie. Sorry. Sadie. I was corrected. Sadie says, like, what does God look like? Well, it's a little bit hard to say. But we know what his character is like. It's like what we saw in Jesus. So if that is our God, how can we hold on to that when the dark nights come? And there's this one guy I listen to. He says, there's none of your lives who can't, that can't be changed by one phone call. One phone call. You hold uh, one phone call. One phone call can change your whole life. The question is, what are we, what are we going to do when that, call, when that call comes? Will we get up and curse God? Or will we fall to our knees and worship and say, you are still the same, Jesus? But here comes Jesus, not Jesus, but here comes Job's friends to help him. There's lots of speculations about where they come from, but maybe if we have to be totally honest, we don't really know where they come from. They're probably, to, they're probably supposed to symbolize three, three, three places. So I've written here in my notes, they're not the three wise men from the Christmas stories, but they are actually men of some wisdom and some renown. They're Job's friends. They're probably a little bit under Job because he was the greatest of these. So they're probably a little bit under him in wisdom, stature, and also renown. 
Um, but they're coming there, and they're coming there good. They're coming there good. They're coming, they're coming because they heard about the tragedies that's befallen Job. And their intentions is to come and comfort him, to show that sympathy. No, they don't even get there. Because they can see from far away. Well, they can't see from far away. <laughs> but from far away, they can see they can't see him because they don't recognize him. They can't even see who he is. Then they react in, in, in mourning by tearing their robes and sprinkling dust, sprinkling dust on their head. And I couldn't find the Hebrew word, but I think there is a Hebrew word that has this notion of, of sitting with. And so here, Job's friend, Job's friends really need credit here, I think. They come to Job, and he's in so much pain, so much sorrow. They don't show up with a lot of words trying to fix everything. They just sit there for seven days. They just sit there. They wait for Job to speak. There's one commentary where I just, I just thought it was so good. He said, because some sufferings are just too big for words. Where it doesn't matter, and I think maybe in grief, that's what other people and myself have a hard time with, but what should I say? Well, the answer is probably you shouldn't say anything. You should just be there. And we, I mean, we we all dislike when people try to fix us or just simplify what's wrong. Um, but we see in Jesus that we do need to confront sin. If there is really sin there, but it can't be it can't be our guessing if there's sin. Like as we heard in the previous verses, like we know if somebody like. It has to be obvious somebody sinned against us. You can't just be guessing. And maybe this is where, as we go on, the friends get it wrong. They're trying to guess what, what Job has done wrong so that he deserves this suffering. But Job doesn't deserve the suffering. But they come there with really good intentions and they come there, they want to comfort him, they want to show the sympathy, and they want to just be there with him. For us, it's probably exactly the same. When people are grieving or in pain, we wait for them to speak. And then we have to remember that sometimes what comes out, and we'll see that in Job too, it's painful. It can be hurtful to you, to other people. There's this saying that hurting people hurts. So we gotta be prayed up. Don't give a fast answer to why everything is happening. But speak the truth in love at the right time. Not just responding to their pain. Most of the time they really don't need to know 
a theological explanation of why things have happened. You need to know that you care, and Jesus cares. Gently pointing people to what they know about Jesus. I have the questions for you guys before I just round it up. Oh, oh no, I forgot to speak that. That's one of my favorite verses. I just forgot to put it in my own notes. And this is a, one of my favorite verses because it says how we as a church become mature. So yes, sin needs to be confronted. Because we also know in James that if we don't do what's right, that's also sin. So if we see somebody, one of our brothers and sisters, sinning, we need to go to them, say you did, they will repent, and things will be great. That's how, one of the ways that we grow as a church. Rather speaking the truth in love, we have to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint in which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's how the church grows. That as we go from being immature to a little more mature, we interact with each other. Hurting one another, forgiving one another because of Christ. And we will grow in love for one another and in love for Christ. Because if we forgive one another, we forgive one another because of what Jesus did. Um, but as this chapter ends, I got the questions for this week. And um, some reflections on this chapter, and I'll round it up. Um, why does God keep bringing up Job to Satan? Couldn't he just let, let it go? Why do you think, what do you think about Job's wife's response? Whose plan do you follow? Do I follow Jesus or Satan? Are you mostly like an encourager or a discourager? I think they could be good in both of them. What do you think about Job's friend's response? Is it easier for you to fall away from following Jesus when you're in pain or in prosperity? Is some suffering simply too big for words? Well, now we come to the chapter's end, and we say, well, now Job's not alone in the struggle. He has a wife who doesn't really stand on the same side. But now he has his friends. He's sitting there with his friends in the struggle. Uh, but that's only until they start speaking. And then things start changing. And he is all alone again. But for now, he has some people to sit with him for seven days. Until he responds strongly. That he would wish that he had never been born. So that was what we will talk about next time. But he still has a hope. He has the hope that I talked about earlier, that he, he rede his Redeemer lives and he will see God. Our hope is actually exactly the same as Job's. And I pray that we might be able to see it more clearly. Jesus Christ, Lord, God, Savior, Redeemer, Brother, Friend, 
and my feet, and I think just that's why I was so happy about that song, exactly saying, to know you and to know you more. Let's keep seeking Him, because the dark night will come. We live in a world that's broken. We need every day to remind about how Jesus, how important Jesus is for us to get through every day. Now I'm gonna try to step on you a little bit harder, just here at the end. I have no idea what God is doing in me right now. But if you have been confronted with your sin today, you need to repent and turn to Jesus. Like Jesus asked us to. If somebody has sinned against you, you probably should go to them and say that they did. That they did so that we can grow the church in love for one another and for Jesus. If you're living in unbelief, if you're living for yourself, if you feel like you're working more for Satan than for Jesus, you have a t tendency to hastily judge everybody without knowing anything what happened, or what they've committed, I just ask you to seek Jesus in those things and to do something about it. You have an empathetic hybrid and you have brothers and sisters who, by the grace of God, also will understand when you come and ask for forgiveness or when you come and ask them to repent. You could also just sit there and be hit by the awesomeness of God that he would allow Satan to do those things so that he can glorify himself. And that even in this strong oppression that Job actually sees clearly, and so clearly at some point, that he will see God. That he will see his Redeemer, the Messiah, Jesus. I pray that we all see that. Whether we also need to repent or we need to confront somebody. And our hope is exactly the same as Job's. That one day, one day, face to face, face to face with Jesus. That's the hope we need to have in the good times and in the bad times. That one day, it's face to face with Jesus. Let's just respond in, in praying and praising God. And laying down whatever sin you have. Or committing yourself to confronting in love the people that need to be confronted. And praising God for His faithfulness. And all the things that you've seen Him do so far. We leave Job in the ash heap until next week. He will still sit there with his friends. But let us look to the cross.
to see where our hope is. Because the cross is empty. And we will see the one who was on the cross face to face. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for this place, God. Thank you for this church. Thank you for who you are. You can take my hard heart and soften it as we praise you. You can take these empty words on paper, put your spirit into them, and let them pierce our mind and heart and soul. I pray for all my friends here, for everyone here, for myself, Lord. Help us know you more. Help us understand even better, Jesus, what you've done. Jesus, help us to be empathetic with the people that are suffering. Help us to be good at praying. Help us to be good at listening. Help us to be followers of you. Help us to repent of when we've done more damage than good. Help us to love one another so that we will grow up in love. Into you, Jesus. And we just thank you so much for this time. Spirit, I pray you move mightily in each one here. You get much glory for the way that you're going to use each person here as you're transforming them more and more into your likeness. To your praise and glory and for our good. And Lord, let us hold on to our faith that you are the, you are the prize. Not whatever we can gather, but you are the prize. And that is what we long for to see. Help us to be faithful in calling more people to that hope. In Jesus' name.